It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Greetings and salutations together again with Kirk Morrison. This is Jason Jackson, as the big boys just told you. Uh, we, we have a cavalcade of a little bit of a, it's perfect for fall, a cornucopia of stories for us to get to. Uh, but we'll check in on Deion Sanders and how he kind of frames what's best for his football team if they have ultimate success this season. Uh, also want to revisit uh, another scenario at BYU. So all of you conspiracy theorists on <laughs> made up scenarios on BYU involved athletic events we will give you another to entertain but first uh we're, we're going out to cali going mm-hmm. out to cali where my man usually is when he's not calling a college football game <laughs> or a national football league game uh kirk morrison california man uh the headline itself gives you pause right high school football right california school kicks players off football team over quote slave auction video yeah all right, let's dive in. Let's go ahead. Got got our full attention here on the mm-hmm. the, the, the confluence of race and sports here on Sirius uh, XM Sports, many platforms, many channels. But several high school football players on this team were booted from their team after filming a racist prank, as it's been put forward as, where they sold their black teammates at a slave auction. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Now the team has been forced to forfeit, by the way, the entire year over a lack of eligible players. That's how many players were involved in this ridiculousness. Um, So once the district got word of the video made by members of the River Valley High School football team, where is River Valley? Uh, About 40 minutes north of Sacramento. Okay. So you're about right near the uh, Sacramento, the the state capital, California. So go about 45 minutes heading uh, northwest of Sacramento. So these young River Valleyans thought it would be funny. Yeah. uh, If they, to to have this little bit, but uh, the district didn't mess around. They didn't mess around. They were swift kicking off the players for violating student athlete code of conduct. Um, I believe one of the quotes was they may have thought this was from the superintendent of the Yuba City Unified School District, Doreen Osumi. Quote, they may have thought the skit was funny, but it is not. It is unacceptable and requires us to look honestly and deeply at issues of systemic racism. So let's pause there for a second. Right, we'll get right. more into the depths of uh-huh. this. When we're having this conversation, so we've used this banner of ignorance, critical okay. race theory, right? And the right has kind of grabbed on to this as we're making people feel bad about themselves by teaching accurate history. When all we've ever said, all historians have ever said is one of the most important reasons outside of just having a universal mind, just knowing things. Right. 
is that if you don't know your history, you're what? Doomed to, to, to repeat, repeat it. it. Ah, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. Right? So for everybody saying, hey, let's make people feel good about themselves as it pertains to history. Let's not make them feel bad about themselves. If you assign historical behavior to you personally, right. there are greater levels of concern I have for you, and there are ways to deal with that above my pay grade, outside right. of my realm of expertise. <laughs> uh, but what I will do is tell you that if you don't know, or if you perceive something like this to be funny, what you've said to me is either you are just the worst person or group of people there are, or you simply do not know. I'm willing to believe the latter first. Yeah. Until proven differently. Um, so uh, listen, you get to a point where uh, you think about this on totality. Like River Valley was a garbage program. Yeah. Right. They were, they, they were a bad team. <laughs> yeah, bad football team. Oh, man. Like, you're disciplining. And, and I'm t- how many students were involved here? But the fact uh, that it, it was enough that they couldn't field a football yeah, well, team. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I'm getting to that point. Like, usually right. football teams have, uh, even, you know, at the high school level, 60 to 80 players yeah. like, available. JV, maybe their entire program going down to freshmen. But um, this ball club that had started off 0 and 6. Um, I mean, they they couldn't put a team together on top right. of it. That's, that's nothing to do with what these kids did, which was deeply offensive. But it it still tells you that this is just this ne- this necessarily the a beacon of 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 I, I don't want to say diversity because I don't know the the dimension of the space, but oftentimes when you're in small spaces, you get kind of small thinking. Right. And I'm glad that there were others that are willing to kind of go on top of this and note that, you know, it's time to use this as a teaching opportunity too and expand the mindset of these young people. I don't think they should have been suspended. I don't believe that they should have been suspended. I'm talking about in terms of the football. Mm-hmm. I think they should still should have been allowed to play football, but on the, I guess the, uh, on the condition that they have to mandatory um training mandatory not necessarily detention but awareness um comprehension trying to find different ways to get this point across on what what happened um this was something that i had talked about a while back i think i mentioned to you to it to you before about this Jax. i got a couple friends who are high school teachers high school basketball coaches and things like that and we had gotten into a discussion one day about current events in our world. And the one thing that he says, man, I know you guys aren't in the field that I'm in, but I'm around these 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds every day. And they are so far removed from understanding the history of slavery, of understanding the history of the civil rights movement of understanding the history of what people had to go through in this country. All they know is they're in an age of which they've got social media. They've, you, you see so much um, progress in terms of, I, I guess the diversity in our country, but they don't know where, how, it, how things used to be. And I thought that was interesting because 
I look at this situation, these kids, and to them, they honestly, and I, I, I believe this, Jax, they thought this was funny. They thought the hell, we're just going to do a skit. We don't mean any harm. It's just going to be a skit and we're going to act like we're doing this, but they don't understand the tone of what that means to someone who actually knows what happened, who's done the research, who've had ancestors and great grandparents and grand who have told them the stories of what it was right. like uh, or, or being able to, to, to talk about slave owners, real slave or being slaves and being having to migrate from parts of the country to move out west. Sacramento or north of Sacramento is a place that has a lot of diversity. A lot of people want to move out west. So you get different families and groups and who have been around and understand it, but it hasn't got down into our young folks. And this was a bigger conversation, I think, Jax, that we have because we kids know sports, they know movies, they know video games, they know that because that's what they're able to absorb. They can't absorb slavery or civil rights or things in the past because those pieces of information are now being taken away from the textbooks. Those are those are taken away from the schools now. This isn't being taught because if this was being taught, I don't think that this group of kids who did this would, would say, oh, I think it's pretty cool to do a little joke called uh, we do a little slave trade joke. No, you understand how serious this was, how how the, the this country still has recovered from slavery. We're still trying to recover from and, and understanding of what happened in that time, period. And so that's where I don't know if these kids should have been suspended for the act of, of not playing football. I said, this is a time to to say educate, right? Because they don't know. They, I, I honestly believe that. I don't know if these kids are not, Jax. I'm just going off of the people who I've talked to who are in the similar field that says young kids between the ages of 14 and 19, maybe even younger, they literally have no idea. They can't recollect. They don't know about cotton picking. They don't know. You know what I mean? Remember, we talked about it a couple of weeks here on this show, right, Jax? Remember, we were talking about the young man that played in the, in the youth baseball. Remember the uh, right. oh, yeah, yeah. Low League, Low World Series? And his friends are, you know, joking around and making him a little wig, but it was out of cotton. And older folks said, hey, you can't do that. Younger kids, they don't know. They're just having fun. Hey, we're just putting some cotton on our guy's head to make him a, a wig. But you can't do that. And again, this is where the education part right. has to come about. I think I'm, I'm going to be a little harsher than you on this yeah. one. I, I think both things can happen at the same time. I think there has to be some sort of consequence. I or understand it doesn't that. land heavy enough. Right? right. Kids can find everything under the sun. You're right. The new jam that pops out, the new <laughs> yep. look, the next video game, like all the stuff that rolls out that's brand new. Guess what also is available in the same space that they're looking for the things that interest them. Is, right. Well, like, it, it may not be the focus of curriculum to learn the detriments of our American experiment and all the things that were hurdles for everyone except for white landowners from the inception 
of America. However, there are some tentpole events, some tentpole activities <laughs> that's hard to get. It, 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 I can't cross that same space to give them the, I, for a kid transitioning from elementary school to middle school. Yeah. Which is that age group for, um, for little league versus high school. I just think that space of, of four years creates a little bit more of understanding simple lessons in civil behavior. Mm. I, th that's where I'm going to draw the line. No, I hear I'll, it. I'll give you another point of this that probably gave pause to the school district is what's been happening in the Sacramento area. So you have this incident, all high school level uh, tragedies here. And listen, no one died, but I'm talking about just conceptually emotional tragedy right. that happens to people that are already dealing with how challenging it is to be a person of color, even in this day and age, still in some places. So making fun of slavery has been an incident, uh, a high school that had a kill the blacks chat group, uh, another group of students making eight noises while a black girl's getting ready to take a penalty kick at a soccer game. All of this has well, since March, so we're talking about the last right. calendar year. These have all been incidents in the Sacramento area. So you imagine if you're a leader uh, in the River Valley area, you're like, uh, we're, 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 this is where we're drawing the line right here. Right. I, can, I understand taking it another step. And I, I see what you're saying. The benefit of, of having the young men's attention and being able to really imprint why it's painful, why it's thoughtful, why it's rude, why it's crass. Um, I don't know if that requires football or not. That's the thing. I hear. I can stop and think about what it's affecting, right? You're starting Correct. to affect people who did nothing, schools that's, who aren't involved. That's what I was saying. I'm, I'm yeah. with you on that front. That's the part I'm saying, how it affects the others. Uh, I don't mind these young men having to carry that weight. Yeah. I got you. I, I, I don't because I'm thinking about black football coaches and black players in the right. area um, getting news of, of this video. Yeah. Uh, even in the larger scale of, of California, you know, which doesn't align with the whole progressive feeling of <laughs> what that state and that, that area is about. But um, man, we for, listen, we're sending mixed messages. Right. Constantly to young folks. Uh, the N words at the top of the list. Correct. And I just I, I don't have the right answer. Mm -hmm. But if you, but I know what my reaction is every time I hear it <laughs> from a young person of color or not. Um, there's a pendulum of intensity that that we all should probably right. be more consistent on. Um, but we open the door for things to be a little too comfortable. In huh. in kind of. That was a long time ago, like desensitizing atrocities. Yeah. Because people want to feel good. And I'm like, man, we're, you can feel good about you and how you impact things and also be fully aware of some stuff that should never come out of your mouth or even like emit from your brain, let alone orchestrate to reenact slavery. I, it, it's a tough one for me to get past. No, it, it, it's, it's, um, the more and more you speak about it, it is tough. And I'm, and 
I'm sitting here trying to find the way that you have a harsh enough penalty to where you're still being able to educate, but and also understand that there is a youth aspect of it as well. Um, I know I did some dumb things in high school. <laughs> Definitely it could have been uh, a lot, lot worse now if you if you can take my drift, but it is a situation that has to be discussed and talked about. And I think that this is just a larger issue of what's being taught in our schools in terms of the history of how this country was made and built and what occurred in this country. I think that, that a lot of that has been glossed over. And the only way that you can understand that information is if you go out and seek that information. And I don't know if a bunch of young kids in high school and middle school are wanting to seek that information. Remember, it was a big deal, you know, Black History Month. We had that Black History Month assembly, right? And that was something that was, you know, in schools and everybody attended just to understand what this country has been through, what this country- How many times, to think back to those periods, how many times after uh, a assembly or a lesson on Black History did one of your uh, non-black uh, classmates. I didn't know that. I didn't know. Absolutely. Because that's not and, being taught and, and in their homes. Take it even further saying, I'm so glad I do know now. Right. So this really is an opportunity. Um, I'm fine with opportunity having consequences. My sons <laughs> both know. Right. Use that term. <laughs> I love you. But we're taking yeah. these car keys. I love you. But this P, you know, PS4 is coming out of here. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. During this time, you will be able to be more focused and reflect upon uh, whatever ails this particular situation. And I, I think football has to come off the table. Um, yeah. I, I, I had struggled all through their high school years of, of pulling them off teams. And I, I refused mm. to do it, mostly okay. because it happened to me often. <laughs> this was my transition. <laughs> uh, but it was the idea that I'm impacting an entire team mm-hmm. um, if I'm removing my sense from competition. So I would incorporate the coaches mm. in the discussion of what has fallen short wow. of expectation at home. And some of that discipline occurred there as well. I, that, that's it's funny that you say that because yeah. I, I was like the opposite. I, I, I will, I did a lot of things in fear. So mm. my mom invoked the fear right. of me letting everyone down. That was one of her tactics when it came to sports, right? One of her tactics was, hey, let me go get Co- Coach Levy on the phone. I'm like, why would Yeah, I'm going to get Coach Levy on the phone let him know that, yeah, you, you don't want to do your schoolwork. So let's just let him know now you, that you're not going to play this week. Let's go ahead and let everybody on your team because you're letting them down. And boy, you know what I'm saying? But that's that's a different generation, though, Jax. We're talking about, you know. 30 years ago, moms is telling me, hey, this is what you need to do. And if you don't do that, you, this is who you're hurting. Not only are you hurting yourself, but you're hurting these folks. And so that fear was something that lived with me and made me want to make sure I did everything right. Make sure I I had my grades. I never missed school, never missed class. I did all of that. And I think to your point now, that also has to be something that the coaches as well have to talk about as well. And, And I thought coaches had did a good job, especially when, Obviously, when George Floyd happened, everybody was aware and we had this awakening. You know, that's how we came about with this show. Right. (laughs) Because we had so many of these discussions 
And it was kids having to talk with adults and parents say, hey, why did this happen? Why, why, why is this such a big deal? Is it because this is what has been going on in our country for a very long time in terms of this racial divide that we've had? And we didn't know it until something happened to make us all see it. So I think it is something that more jacks that the, uh, the school district, the coaches, um, shoot, the governor is right around the corner. Right. So it's it's going to take more, but this should be a big positive learning point too, a learning um, point for everyone involved that you can also, hey, we got to educate these kids more because they, I literally think that they don't know and they think that it's okay because to them, it didn't happen to me. It ain't happened. Think about the generations that we're in, Jack. We're talking about 15, 16, 17 year olds. And I'm thinking that their parents are in the, you know, in their late thirties, forties, you know what I mean? Like where, where generations have passed Mm -hmm. to where some slavery, just the thought of it, they don't really understand it. They don't grasp it. The mm-hmm. way that I think a lot of other folks, we learned it, we knew it, we been handed it. down for us, right? Yes, we know okay. it. Let's take our first break. When we come back, Coach Prime keeps teaching, doesn't he? Oh man, don't he? Coach Prime <laughs> takes it to a whole nother place and he keeps do. it real. Listen, uh, is Jackson State football team is rolling? They're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, they are rising in uh, their appropriate poll. I believe top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, in FCS, yep. I believe. You could correct me if I'm wrong. We'll no, come back. 100. Tell you, right. uh, he doesn't give a darn, as he likes to say, <laughs> about that poll. Forward progress. It's Morrison. It's Jackson. We're back after this. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Let's turn our attention now to uh, HBCU Dynamics as Jackson State has earned its way in the FCS top 25 poll. And it's been historic. I mean, what what head coach Deion Sanders and his staff has done uh, to elevate this this football team has been fantastic. Uh, As we come into our taping on Wednesday of this week, uh, JSU is in the top 10, Mm -hmm. number nine, undefeated, and... I believe somebody asked Coach Prime about uh, moving up in that poll and what's expected for playoff placement. And Coach is like, what is that poll going to do for us? What playoffs are you talking about? We want to go to the Celebration Bowl. Now, let's let's line that up. Mm-hmm. Celebration Bowl, payday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the F... CS, unlike the FBS, um, there's not a there's not a system of of compensation for those FCS playoffs. So, for schools to host host those playoff games, uh, the NCAA requires that they submit bids or guarantees on how much they will pay for each home date, how much that the school will pay. Mm-hmm. The school will pay home date. Yeah, uh, the organization sets minimum bids. And they get higher each round. So you're going from 30000 for the first round, 40000 60000 that you're putting into a pool for these games versus going to the Celebration Bowl featuring the champion of the top historically black college and university 
conferences. I'm not mad at Prime. No, I'm not mad at him 100%. He's educating folks again. Um, you know, on the FCS level, like you mentioned, it's a, it's, you know, it is a true playoff. It is not like the FBS where you have the college football playoff. Yeah, no the, neutral sites. Yeah, right. best four teams, and you have the bowl games and sure. all of that stuff. Prime said, "Yeah, we want a bowl. We don't care about the FCS playoff because it does nothing for us. The FCS is saying is is what he's saying is that that's more about the NCAA. We're not trying to do all that." We want to make sure that we know more eyeballs will follow us because the Celebration Bowl is actually played on ABC. It's actually one of the better games last year because they played in that Celebration Bowl. A million dollars each. Yeah. And, they, and the money. Payouts. Yeah, and the pockets get a little bit For the bigger. the Swack right? and MEAC champions, right? Yeah. So you're also impacting your conference. Correct. So you're helping everybody. Way. You're helping your conference. You're helping everybody, but also visibility. And that's what Prime... You know, Coach Sanders has been doing the visibility of his program and how everybody now is seeing him and saying, wow, this is wait, I can go to Jackson State and I can still be on TV. I could be a top 25 team, but I can do this and do that. And just what he's showing and what he's doing. It's it's there's a lot of, I think, FBS programs that didn't give Deion Sanders the time, the opportunity and in a short, it's been what two years. He's only been a coach there for two seasons, Jacks. Two seasons, right? And you can feel when you say Jackson State, it's like okay. Not only they got good football, they got NFL talent now, but they also have this, this, this re, uh, this respect, right? That when you play against them, you know it ain't gonna be it ain't gonna be fun. It ain't gonna be easy. And so I kind of like this little clash. The clash between the HBCU now and the NCAA, okay? Because when it came to FCS, you had these groups of teams that usually are always in the playoff. The North Dakota states, South Dakota, Montana, James Madison, all that. Mm -hmm. Well, James Madison left, by the way, Jax. They went up to the FBS level, mm -hmm. okay? So one of your powers in the FCS is gone. Now you have the North Dakota State, you know, one of the powers that, you know, last year's national champion. For the old heads, this was the old 1AA, right? 1AA, yeah, for the old division heads, yeah. One, yeah, Division 1AA. So you had Division 1A, 1AA. Yeah, but now I feel like Jackson State is taking the place and giving so much notoriety to the type of football that they're playing. Last year, Florida A&M got an at-large bid into the FCS playoffs last year. They played well. It was good. They didn't advance, but it was good to see an HBCU team go out there and be a part of the tournament. I think what scares a lot of people the most right now is what Prime, if he's able to do the celebration and also play in that FCS playoffs, watch out now. And I don't know if he can do both. I don't think that he can do both. That's tough. You got to pick one or the other, because the well, I think even the conference would just, would want one or the other. Right? Yeah. So the commissioner uh, Charles McLeland indicates that there are other FCS conference representatives that want to explore blow game op opportunities instead of the playoffs. So they would be generating something that mirrors mm -hmm. the celebration bowl. Everybody want that payout, Jax. Everybody want that payout. 
They said, well, why we got to dip into our own pockets to play in the playoffs. But yet if we set up something like this or play in a bowl game, then all of a sudden you can in- enhance our pockets instead of take the money out of it. Yeah. Um, Princeton's coach, Bob Charace, has floated an Ivy League HBCU bowl match. Hey, now. Okay, now. The Ivy League okay. doesn't participate in postseason play, so this would be unique. And with, th- I mean, those eight schools and their alumni would be off the charts because they just oh, don't have it usually. So there's something right there. He's talking, he's talking about so what? Come on. HBCU versus Ivy? Come on, now yeah. sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> you got the most prestigious universities in our country in terms of academics. Right. But to have a representative for them and then to have a representative from the HBCU champion of a conference go out and play somewhere where the in an area where people will want to go out and hang out, whether it's right. Atlanta, whether it's Washington, D.C. Um, you got to find a place that has a roof on it because when these two teams is playing in December, I'm not trying to be outside, Jax. I need some place on, where man. I could be nice and comfortable. And warm, well, let's but, have a parade, a chamber yeah. of commerce, luncheon. Let's, let's, let's play but, where the sun shines, right? I think, I think these commissioners, um, these commissioners from all the different conferences are now understanding. It is about how do we expand the brand, but also get people to further look into our institutions, right? I think Ivy League, yeah, explore Ivy League, but also for everybody. It is for everybody. It's not just for a certain group of people. It's for everybody. And to think, Jax, that I can go to an HBCU and still compete against a team from the Ivy League, man, that's, that's, that, that, that's pretty cool if you ask me. But I think these commissioners, and we're seeing it with a lot of the realignment on the big level, on the FBS level, it's about that mighty dollar. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and, and I think can, it has to be clear, right? Like, this isn't money grubbing, right? This no, no, isn't no, not at all. Padding. We're talking about these institutions needing cash for what most schools, particularly uh, uh, the, I, I don't even, I want to go even beyond everybody that's in FBS and go into just, you know, the top five conferences, mm-hmm. power five schools, they, yeah. some can cry poor, but not this type. No. And so you're, you're lifting the entire athletic department mm-hmm. with a payday of a million dollars at some of these schools in the MEAC and the SWAC. Um, and that's where Coach Prime's talking. It has to be purposeful. Correct. Right? So it's not just about, hey, where's the money? Show me the money. Give me the money. It's, this is, these are essential needs of these football programs and their entire athletic departments mm-hmm. uh, that should that should be normal, but they're just not in this space. No, not. But and it's also creating opportunities and memories for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. I think that now, you know, last year, and I think it's ESPN has now put the Celebration Bowl on ABC. It's a big game for everybody to watch. And I'm not going to lie to you, Jax. It's one of the games I do want to see um, mm-hmm. because of the obviously the HBCU pageantry, um, some of the players that you'll be seeing in that game, you can see in the National Football League. I know one of the highest rated players was a guy by the name of uh, Kobe Durant, who actually the, the cousin of Kevin Durant was drafted by the Rams, and he's a player for the Rams right now. So it's it's great to see the talent, but then also the pageantry 
and now to be able to hopefully bring some more folks along, you know, create these opportunities for the kids. And I can only imagine the opportunity for me as a collegiate player to have to play, to get an opportunity to play not only more football in, in a meaningful way, but in a way in which everybody can enjoy it and have a, a learning lesson behind it. You know, so I'm, I, I get it. You know, the FCS has their playoff, but I love the way that Dion said, yeah, that's, you know, tradition. People will want to be a part of it, but that ain't what, that ain't, that ain't for us. You nailed for it, us. by the way, we're talking about, and, and Prime talked about this when uh, Jackson State was down playing Florida State right. in the Orange Blossom Classic to mm-hmm. start off the season. Giving his student athletes those type of experiences, those bowl game experiences, yes. that's the stuff that lasts a lifetime. Correct. The parades, the dinners, the awesome goodie bags, mm-hmm. the national television, uh, having an opportunity for family and friends to find their way uh, and, and enjoying some of it, putting your toe in the sand, getting away <laughs> yeah. from campus, all of it, right? Memories, yeah. Um, you don't want that being void of the experience. No, that's, I mean, that's what you want. And that's what you can also to bring in more talent or more kids to your school to say, hey, these are the opportunities that we can afford you. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I know everybody wants to be in the FBS, but you can come here and be around your culture, you know, be around the, um, this, this sense of pride in that community. I mean, we're talking Jackson, Mississippi right now, man. And yet, Jackson State has it's just now I, I'm gonna be honest I see that JSU I know what that letterhead is now that that, right. that, that, that symbol is now before it was like okay JSU HBCU yeah. program Part of the now mix, right? I see that and the way that they you know walk around with the suits and ties and and you know just the whole entire look it's fantastic and it's really been something that has been eye-opening and I want to continue to see Coach Prime have this success and to t- continue have his team to be in the forefront and be able to choose what they want. I, I think it's a situation that said, if you want us, come pay for us. Yeah. You know what? If you want us, come pay for us. Because I think if you enter Jackson State, it is now a must-see situation when it comes to that level of football. I want to see Jackson State go up against North Dakota State or Montana State, Montana you know, traditional powers in the FCS for so many years. That's all I saw. But now here comes the threat down South, making its way up the chain. Now, you know what I mean? If you want us, come get us. Hmm. Let's take uh, our, our, our second and last break. Uh, as we have to turn our attention once again to BYU, everybody was, let's not, let's not say everybody. So many yeah. were ready to depart the volleyball incident Um, And if you did, we have a new destination for you on the soccer pitch. We'll explain as forward progress rolls on. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to forward progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Kirk, we turn our attention uh, back out to Brigham Young University. It's five women's soccer players allege something that... uh, we, we've visited before, and that's unruly fan behavior. This goes back to uh, a match uh, last year, uh, and uh, you had some 
at least the accusation of BYU fans chanting racial slurs uh, during that match. So uh, the players involved in this um, say that um, fans use the N-word after members of this particular team began kneeling during the national anthem. So you're triggering to begin with, right? It's the right. possibility of differing political views. And, and and here's the thing. I want to, can I just remind people one more time? Sure, go ahead. Okay, people are not kneeling. Look me in the eyes. Yeah. I, people are, not you, you know, everybody. No, I got you. <laughs> or, or, or get your ear a little closer to the speak. Whatever, whatever way right. you're taking forward progress in right now. People are kneeling to protest the treatment of black people, particularly in the, care of police they're not kneeling to say america as a whole is tragic they're not saying the military doesn't deserve their support they're not even really protesting the flag as a symbol of the nation they're taking the moment that has an, our full attention and speaking to a specific thing i don't know why yeah that's so hard for people to grasp Kirk. I, I don't want to cut you off, but I was, I had saw something the other day on the internet and it was, uh, you know, I was just scrolling and I found something and it was about kneeling. And I thought it was great that I, kneeling is, people don't understand it, is actually the highest sign of respect. Think about kneeling that. is. Conceptually. Right. Yeah, I got. I, I was reading it, reading it, and because now we symbolize. Okay, if someone's knee, uh, taking a knee or kneeling, it's a sign of disrespect. But I was just reading that article, and it was kneeling is actually the highest sign of respect. When a court jester back in the day, right when when royalty, you approached royalty, what did you do when you saw royalty? You kneeled. It was a sign of respect, honor. When for those who have significant others, right? When you propose to marry someone, you don't stand in their face and say, "Hey, will you marry me?" No, you show a sign of respect and you humble you yourself. You humble yourself. You yeah. drop a knee, and I was like, "Wow, that's another one." Military, hmm. they do. They drop to a knee to show a sign of respect. And so when I hear people say, you know, especially right here, this get up, stand up stand up and some choice words understand what kneeling is before you disrespect this is a sign of respect to the highest so sorry to go on that tangent man it was just it was, no, no. It was funny that you brought that up because i i read the article yesterday and it, i mean or the other day and it really hit me like i can't and i had i, I had heard it before but to actually see it and have it written out of how yeah. kneeling is of the utmost respect that anyone can give. So kneeling during the national anthem is actually much more of a sign of respect than it is someone holding their hand over their heart. Half the things that people do, not even half, but a unknown number of players that I am fully aware of depart the depart during the anthem. Right. Aren't even around. Yeah. It goes a debate could be made that Teams and coaches don't even need to be around for that portion right. of the contest. And so many, uh, most collegiate events don't even have the players, just the Correct. way that the game ops rolls out. Mm -hmm. They're not even on the field. At the not time. on the field. Mm -mm. 
Uh, but anyway, as we know, in recent years, many professional and collegiate athletes have knelt during the anthem as a way to protest social injustice and racism all around the world, not just in America. Uh, but in this case, uh, players said they heard uh, consistent chants of stand up in words, as you noted, yeah. during the anthem and after. And when it was brought to the attention of the Brigham Young coaching staff, there was apparently no real response or sense of alarm. And so I'm assuming they came forward because they're, they're seeing a, a bigger culture issue within BYU as an institution. I, I think about, you know, the allegations going back to the volleyball match, right, with Duke. Right. And it felt like there was a, a willingness within the institution to see to the concern, although delayed, but when they ran their investigation and their investigation didn't find anything, like there was just this, this hallelujah chorus of, mm -hmm. we told you they made it up. And I don't think they could have a conclusive investigation that said nothing happened. They just didn't find that something happened. And so that's a different deal. So following these allegations, uh, it was BYU's Associate Athletic Director for Communications and Media Strategy, uh, John McBride. Mm -hmm who said the school, quote, responded to a concern from the visiting team about fan reaction when players knelt during the national anthem. So uh, the school was familiar with the scenario, um, but there was a public announcement that uh, reminded fans and attendants to be respectful of players' beliefs. What that says to me more than anything is, hey, we did our part. Right. We can't control everybody. So what do you want from us? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And like I've been to BYU plenty of times. Pro Bowl Utah has been a stop of mine over the last couple of years. They've been a really good football program. And, you know, them going over to the uh, Big 12 uh, next year, they will now be Big 12 members in terms of their conference. Uh, they will now have a higher profile, I believe, because they're playing in, back in a big time Power Five conference and not as an independent. Uh, I bring that up because having been there, multiple times having played there as a collegiate you know i can let you behind the curtain a little bit jacks um, yeah. i remember when we would go in college uh we would get to byu we would come out of the stadium stadium be full first of all the student section is there early like this is a ready well to go. organized student said they ready to go two hours before the game they ready to go i'm talking about in the stand and these seats this is not a late arriving crowd but i always remember when we would go inside the locker room, you know, prior to the game starting, we, you know, that last little, you know, bit of instruction. And you would just look around Lavelle Edwards stadium, the football stadium. And you would look around and we would joke around and say, it is no black people in these stands. <laughs> I mean, it is none <laughs> except our parents, <laughs> like, you know, the family and friends that wow. came. And so it would always strike me just like, wow, what part of the country that we are in? And I only bring that up because I, they've always treated me with respect. I've been to the arena there for a basketball game to see Jimmer Fredette play. The people have nothing but nothing been gracious, great. But you do have those couple bad apples that will be there that don't think like a majority of the people I think I've come around to. And this isn't something that is just, I think, around BYU. I think it's the state of Utah. 
I think we've seen what players have said about when they play against the Utah Jazz in the NBA, that it is a different sort of, it's not necessarily Boston, but it's, it's right there. Mm. And, you know, people laugh, but hey, Donovan Mitchell ain't there for a reason now. Not, I'm not saying it's because of the fans, but it was hard to recruit players to play in Utah, right? It, it's, it's, it's different. But where you where BYU is at, they have to continue the dialogue and continue to do their part in saying we don't condone anything. We don't condone the the likes of bad sportsmanship, racial um, epithets that we don't we don't speak of that. That that is not who we are as a school, as an organization. None of that. So they have to continue to do their part for sure, because without their discussion, they're talking, these incidents have been around. They're just now starting to come to light. I think there's a lot more. This is just some that we're hearing about. I believe there's a lot more, but it's not from the majority of the fans. I think it's a small number of people who want to be idiots, who want to go out there and and get their point across and then hide. Because you see, nobody's going to stand up and say, I did that. It wasn't me. But I think this is an ongoing situation that BYU will have to monitor. Uh, This investigation um, that I believe is going to come from the conference, uh, the WCC, Mm -hmm. uh, is something that everybody's looking at, including the Pac-10. This allegation is coming from players uh, from the University of Southern California. uh, And the Pac-12 says they've been made aware of the incident. And that, quote, we have been made aware of the alleged incident and look forward to reviewing the findings of the WCC's investigation of the matter, ensuring a safe and secure environment free of racism or abuse of any kind for our student athletes is of the highest priority for the Pac-12. And with the conference looking at it, uh, I'm imagining they said, well, this particular incident probably needs some objective and unbiased eyes. Uh, We're not sure what, again, you can get back to uh, to confirm it other than interviewing those individuals that experienced it and other people that were there. Uh, but then you can get to the same result that you got uh, with the volleyball incident uh, this year. Well, uh, what's they always say, where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. Well, this has been a couple, couple of instances of smoke that we've seen now. At some point, there is a fire somewhere, and you got to figure out where it's coming from because we see the smoke. The smoke is out there. We, we're hearing about the smoke, but yet – Where's the fire at? What, what, who, I don't know. It's not probably one person or, but you just have to understand that there will be people who will do this. And I don't think yeah. it just happens at BYU. I think it happens everywhere. Well, and, and also That's, at two events that were larger than normal crowds, as correct. you noted, you know, individuals coming in 5,500 for that volleyball match uh, was the largest to watch a women's volleyball match at BYU ever. And that was the same thing for that soccer match, 5,300 larger than normal crowd for that event. We'll keep an eye on these stories, as you know we'll do. That's the Forward Progress way. So, Kirk, thank you very much to our wonderful producer, Pernell Brown, that puts all of our content together. We appreciate him for all of it. I am Jason Jackson, and we'll talk to you next time on Forward Progress. Forward Progress is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.